Ginsburg, uh, speaking over the wavelengths of WCBN. Uh, but is that right? That's right. WCBN, that's right. We're a small station specializing in quality programming and need listener support so they don't have to depend on the neoconservative government and their censorship. You're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Good afternoon. You've got Living Writers, and I'm T. Hetzel. As you know, this week is our annual fundraiser week. Woohoo! <laughs> this year, it's fundraiser with a twist. Please take a moment to donate to WCBN online. So head to wcbn.org, click on the top right tab, Donate. On the next page, you'll see bumper stickers, t-shirts, hats, tote bags, classics like the Down Home Show Banjo Cat t-shirt and the Face the Music t-shirt and new pandemic-inspired ones like WCBN All Hail the Robot tote bag and WCBN post-apocalyptic Astro Gator t-shirt. Also, I'm truly excited about the WCBN, the only station that plays the bottom 40 bumper sticker, and the WCBN face for radio sweatshirt. So head to WCBN.org to donate today. Be a part of Fundraiser 2021. As for Living Writers today, we get into the time machine to head back to February, yep, this time last year, when we were all in the studio, and we had writer Catherine Lacey stop by to be with us, too. We also have special cameos from Tex and Sam. We talked about Catherine Lacey's novel, her third novel, Pew, and now it's out, and we heard what is perhaps one of the longest sentences in contemporary fiction today from Catherine Lacey's first story in her book of short stories, Certain American States. Thanks for listening today. I can't wait until we are all out and about again. I, I hope you and your family and your friends are healthy and that you're all reading a lot of books. <laughs> Take good care. Happy Fundraiser 2021. Head to WCBN.org to donate. Thanks for being part of our community here at WCBN. Let's hear that conversation now with Catherine Lacey and our special cameos from Sam and Tex. I'm T. Hetzel. Thanks for being here.
Good afternoon. You've got Living Writers on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel, and today I'm so happy to have Catherine Lacey here in the studio. Um, Catherine, welcome to WCBN. Thanks for having me. It's, it's really fun here. <laughs> it's great to see you, and thanks for being game for fundraiser. Because oh, yeah. It's WCBN's annual fundraiser, so everyone out there listening, we are so glad that you're out there. So glad and and lucky that you're listening. Let us know you're listening. Support WCBN, um, your community radio station. I feel like it's a, a bit of a part of the a big part of the heart of Ann Arbor. You can go online if you want, WCBN.org. And we've got Sam behind the glass today. Hey. Hey, Sam. It's a fundraiser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to have, I know, Catherine already said it's fun around here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a fundraiser. So let's raise that fun. We're going to talk about writing Catherine's books. Also, a big happy birthday shout out to Gina, engineer Gina Brandolino. And hi to Ellen, too. All right. So without further ado, I'd like to read Catherine's bio. Here we go. Catherine Lacey is the author of four works of fiction, Nobody is Ever Missing, The Answers, Certain American States, and the forthcoming novel, Pew. She's recently published work in The New Yorker, Harper's, and The Believer. Her books have been translated into several languages. She's a 2019 Guggenheim Fellow, a recipient of the Whiting Award, and earned an Artist Fellowship from the New York Foundation for the Arts. Granta Magazine named her one of their best of young American novelists in 2017. Born in Mississippi, she now lives in Chicago and is visiting Ann Arbor. That's right. And well, Catherine, so you're, you're coming to town. You've got um, a, your forthcoming novel, mm-hmm. Pew, is I think slated to launch in May. In May, yep. That's pretty ex- exciting. Yeah. We've also got your book, Certain American States Stories, on the table with us. Do you mind if we start with the most recent pew, like what you've just got coming, coming sure, out? Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Do you want me to tell you about it? Yeah, <laughs> okay. a little bit. Would you mind no, it's, a little it's bit an easy about one the... to descri- It's an easy one to describe, I think. Uh, or I, I don't know. Sometimes when somebody asks you, like, what's your novel about? I'm just like, I blank. I'm like, I don't know what it's, what it's about. It's like, I don't know what it's about. You tell me what it's about. But I think with pew, it's, 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 it's a pretty simple plot. It takes place over the course of one week. It happens in a kind of abstracted south. Um, and it centers on uh, there is a person who's found sleeping in a church and um, no one in this town can really agree w- what this person looks like. They they can't decide whether they're male or female or where they're from or what their race is or anything. Um, and it's not because they don't have one or they claim to be anything. It's just everyone sees something different in them and they don't speak. So they don't ever claim anything. Um, and this, this person, this figure, um, sort of observes the town and people kind of confess things to them. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's amazing what happens when a, a character or as a human being, if you're quiet for a while, what you're, what you'll hear. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, I just started reading Pew yesterday, okay. <laughs> um, it's, uh, last night, so I haven't gotten as far into it as I had, had wanted to, but I love it. And it, it pulls you in. It's a very, there's something about it where I felt like I was entering the world slowly, but then I was sure of it once I was in it, in this, in this strange, abstracted southern yeah. town. Yeah. And it, I mean, it is, I'm from Mississippi and it is based, you know, in some ways on, on like every 
town I've spent any time in there. Um, but in other ways, it's you know, it, it's ridiculous. It's impossible. Uh, I kind of like these these books that have some kind of premise that's just completely impossible to execute. Because of course, there's no such thing as a person that doesn't have a background, doesn't have a, anything that's just born in like a blank slate. Uh, and and so trying to render this person is. Uh, I, you know, I, I failed before I even started. And so that kind of like gave me permission just to write it. Um, yeah. So, and, and it's the same, I think for the, for the other characters too. Like when you, when the center of the book is, is an impossibility, I think it kind of, it gives you a little bit more freedom to, yeah, not have to hew so closely to this reality that we necessarily live in because it's the book I hope is more of a space to engage with an idea rather than like a narrative that you're following to you know be thrilled by a plot or something like that and is it sort of this when you say engage with an idea is it in a way you're you're creating this experience for the reader to be in it somehow with pew as the lens right right and and to try and see them in the same way that uh all these different people are, are attempting to see them um I, I don't i don't know i mean i feel like it's it's a question it's the questions that the book sets up are not ones that I have answered. <laughs> they're they're just questions that I set up around around the book to ha- just to create a space that anybody could sort of enter and sort of deal with these questions. Um, yeah, and and this is probably a pretty typical question, <laughs> but with Pew the novel when it, when it was starting, like did it did it start with? this character yeah. that you felt was absolutely it was i mean unnamed. it's the only time i've had this experience where i know like exactly where i was when when i started the book i, I don't really i don't understand like what made me think of it or anything but uh yeah i just i was like you know i could just see that there was this figure that no one could determine what they were and they weren't giving any clues and then that person was trying to make their way through Mississippi and I was just like it should it should be in a week and I'll start on Sunday and then I'll know <laughs> I'm done when I get to Saturday and like I don't know it was just so I knew that I knew that container going in or I knew that I was going to attempt that like I've known lots of I knew that I was going to write a story about you know I don't know astronauts and then that's I never finished that story you know like there's like there's knowing that you're going to write something and then there's actually completing it and those are often <laughs> different things but this is the only time I, that I was clear about the container from the very beginning and then actually completed it can you talk a little bit more about know the container yeah like uh yeah, I never like when I say that I mean uh I knew I knew immediately what the parameters of the book would be or or I thought that I knew. Um and then I was actually correct about that. I mean, I like for instance, like when I wrote when I was writing my first novel, I had no clue what the container was at all. Like I was sort of following this woman adrift uh, hitchhiking and kept on writing these stories about her. And I was just like, I don't know where she's going. I don't know when this is going to end. I don't know if she should go home. I don't know what she's doing. And it was just confusion for like three years. And then somehow it was done. And I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know how I got there. Um, but, and then but I guess, you also, for three years, you also kept going. There yeah. was something in it that you knew, like, <laughs> to yeah, believe I don't know. in, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm giving a talk while I'm here too, to the students and, 
I make the argument in the talk that delusion is a really important part of uh, of completing anything. I think when it comes to the creative arts, like you just, it's not actually true that you have to finish it. You don't have to finish it, but you have to delude yourself into thinking that it's important that you do it, because otherwise <laughs> nothing will get made if we, if we don't like have some degree of of self delusion when it comes to um, the necessity of finishing something. Because um, it's imp- well, it's important. It's important that that human beings have things to read and look at. And I think that's, um, that's important. It's not necessarily important that I personally write. I've deluded myself into thinking that it is pers- that it is personally important for me to do it, but, uh, it was not, <laughs> you know, and like, I, both, I can hold both things in my hands. I believe that it is, and I know that it's not, and, and both things are true. So, and it's, it seems like it's that belief also that keeps you going and keeps you like getting up in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess I get up for a lot of reasons. I have a dog. He wants to be walked. Oh, right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and when I said that, I actually meant, because I read somewhere that you your process is you work in the morning. Yeah. So I didn't actually mean it in that it gives you a reason to <laughs> be alive. Although writing does, I guess, in a way, right? For all of us that believe it in, in yeah, some yeah. way. Well, but... I mean, it is, it, I, I, I think there's two different things. There's writing to complete something, and then there's just writing generally. And I think... Just writing generally, there's, I mean, I think that's, that can be a tool anyone can use. You don't ever have to share anything with anyone. And it's just the process of sort of turning your thoughts into language. There's something really um, sacred about that, I think, and, and useful. And, um, but that's, that to me is a different thing than writing to give things to other people. It's like a, they're two different processes to me. I mean, they, they they overlap, but um, they're not necessarily always friends, you know. (laughs) <laughs> these two different modes of, of, of making. So, and why is that? Do you think, um, I guess there's probably a lot of reasons. Um, um, well, I mean, there's, there's this freedom you have when you, when you first start writing and nobody's read anything that you've written yet. And, uh, you, you don't have anyone's opinions in your head you don't have whether positive or negative, you know? And I think that, Every every writer after they publish a book or two uh, or more, I think is constantly just trying to get back to that place where you're like, remember what I would write when I when I didn't think anybody was going to read it, you know? Because there's something. I mean, sometimes there's you know, it, I, sometimes you're writing stuff that only you're going to read, and there's a reason, you know. But then other times there's things that can come out in that place that are not about um, they're not about pleasing other people, and it's not about. Um, uh, trying to reflect at other people something that will get you something, you know, because um, I don't really think that you a person can write about themselves ultimately. Like, I think even if you write about the most personal, private thing that's ever happened to you that you almost don't want to tell anyone, that that thing you actually share it with almost everyone else on the planet. You know, whatever it is that you think is too personal, it's not. It's, there's no such thing as as the personal ultimately because everything you've experienced, other people have experienced too. So. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems so, so it's, it's so, it's so kind of interesting and inspiring smashed together (laughs) to hear you talk about these like two separate ways of um, making or being as a writer. Right. And I'm not sure I've ever thought of it that way. Right. Uh, Like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I mean, maybe it's not true for other people. Like maybe it's not. No, it makes sense. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I, uh. 
I mean, they can overlap. Sometimes it's happening at the same time, or sometimes you think you're writing something private and it's for other people and, and the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, we're all, everybody's writing in their head all the time, you know? And so, like, that's, I feel like that's why, uh, well, I feel like that's that's one of the things that I've always gravitated gravitated to about books is that it's so transportable you know you can just you're all you, it's not like you're glass blowing or you, you have to leave glass blowing supplies <laughs> in the studio and you can't have you know molten glass with you at all times but um, <laughs> the molten glass of the mind yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a short break okay and then we'll come back today on the program Catherine lacy is here certain american states stories out with Picador, Pew, the forthcoming novel coming out in May. Uh, we've got Sam behind the glass tea here behind this microphone. It's fundraiser. We're fundraising, right, Sam? Right? Okay. That's right, right, Catherine? <laughs> I think I saw Tex out there too, so maybe Tex will be by. We'll be right back. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, I'm so glad you did. Today on the program, Catherine Lacey is here. You've got Fundraiser on WCBN FM Ann Arbor this week. As you know, loyal listeners, wonderful people. We are so glad you're part of our community. Hey, Sue Dice is here. Oh, my mom just got... Hi, mom. Thanks. Sue, thanks for coming in to let us know. Come on back whenever. (laughs) So yeah, everyone... Be like my mom (laughs) to WCBN right now. So, Catherine, Uh back to you. (laughs) Thanks for picking the songs for today's show. Could you tell us a little bit about what we just heard at the break? Yeah, so that was part of uh, a song called Gumption by uh, an artist who goes by my friend. Her real name is Taryn Miller. Um, And... I got obsessed with her. She had like an EP and like an album and I somehow came across it. And I will sometimes do this thing where I just, I can't stop playing. I can't stop playing an album. I'll just play it back to back like for days. And, and I was doing that with one of her records. And, and then I saw that she was coming to, I was living in Brooklyn. She was coming to Brooklyn and I, um, uh, I couldn't go to her show, but I thought I'll, maybe I can get, I, I would sometimes do interviews like over, um, email for uh different magazines or whatever and there was so i got i got one lined up and i was doing one for um brooklyn magazine 
send the questions through her publicist. They come to her. They come back. And then, <laughs> and then like a week later, the thing goes up on the Internet. And then she didn't know that I had been the one interviewing her. But it turns out that I had not only published one book, but she had read that book. And not only has she read that book, but she had taken a line from it. And actually, the album that I was listening to, I didn't realize, but she had... The, I think that it was that song at the very end. It's like this line just repeated becomes sort of the texture of the of the of the chorus or I don't really know exactly what the term would be. But anyway, so then I think that's kind of the end of the story. Oh yeah, she God. didn't know. That's like, yeah, she just <laughs> she didn't know. I didn't know that I was listening to her response to something I had made. And then she didn't know that I was the one interviewing her. That's the whole story. <laughs> and so what happened when but when you realized we both this, just freaked out and it was just yeah. like emails that were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my God. Like, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, because it's amazing because it's like you both of like your art was talking to each other yeah. before the two of you did. Yeah. And then like a uh, like a month later, I was in Las Vegas to give it to talk at a university and one of the students that picked me up he said i'm from kansas city and i was like i know this musician from kansas city that i really like and i told her him her name and he's like she used to make me lattes she was the barista at my coffee shop or something yes so like so many great baristas out there (laughs) so many great (laughs) makers artists baristas (laughs) yes Oh, I love that story. Yeah, Thanks. I do too. I wonder. I do too. I feel very, I feel very warmed by it. Like I was like, oh, I, we're both doing the right things. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think all artists needs like re- you need so many reassurances that like that you're that you're like somehow going in the right direction because there's no plan ever. You know. Well, you you quite literally your words reached that person, I, and then they came right back. And and to I loved you. I loved her music, so it was very yeah very mushy. Hi, hi, Taryn. I hope you're listening. I know. Yeah, come on, Living Writers. Let's talk about it. Well, today on Living Writers, Catherine Lacey is here. We're we're talking about certain American states' stories. Pew, the novel, uh, coming out in in May. Well, actually, let's... uh, Let's talk for a quick moment about websites. <laughs> I know this is like a bizarre sort of sort of move here. I don't usually talk about websites on Living Writers. No one looks at websites anymore. But they should definitely look at Catherine Lacey's website because <laughs> I, as soon as I saw that, I so I actually got to see the website before I got to see certain American states hold the book in my hand, and so the website I was just like. This is going to be good. <laughs> Some kind of weird person made this. Some kind of wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah, could you talk a little bit about, because the website, I think you didn't ask somebody else to no. make it for you. No, like it's just, you, you, it yeah, seems. It's not, it's not hard. I mean, like, it's even easier like these days. Uh, the truth is, like, actually, I was a really dorky seventh grader and, like, the internet had just begun. And I used to, like, I learned how to code HTML and did all sorts of, like, weird. I mean, I don't remember how to do it anymore. I was like a very uppity twelve-year-old. But it'll probably come back to you though, like, like the <laughs> I mean, riding know, the bike. I know the basics of it, you know, but I don't, I don't know how to do the stuff that I could do back then. But um, um, yeah, but, I just, yeah, like, you... no, like, I just realized, I don't know, like, I had a boring website, like any other author for the longest time, and then I just realized, like, nobody's one, nobody's looking at any of them, you know, like every once in a while, somebody will like check. For something I mean, like it's I, how I you did. get contact I looked, information, I looked, right? <laughs> it happens every once in a while, you know. But like, uh, so I just thought I'm just gonna like make this ridiculous thing. I'm just gonna have fun with it and put up images that I like and like. I don't know. You can move it. I don't know. It just seems like it's. It should be another. Uh, I don't know. It should just be another um, like form or medium that that a person can like 
be creative with rather than just making one that looks exactly like everyone else's as if there's some sort of like you know website police and like the author website police will come get you if you don't have like uh everything in the exact same way that everybody else does um yeah well and you you again like with your you create an an experience for a visitor to the website where you're actually like i don't know there's the part it's just hilarious like even as you you know you have to of course do certain things that you have to do for the genre right like list your books but how you do it is so funny um (laughs) and full of pathos and okay so here's one like if you want we're wondering about what we haven't talked about this book yet the answers Uh but it's out in 2017 so you get that book year and then there's another column for questions and concerns and then here it says to what degree is a human emotional state measurable can we engineer a perfect relationship should pain exist 304 pages like it's just it's well just... i just was tired of like am i supposed to put up a bunch of like clips from what like reviewers think of it or like i'm supposed to put up the copy that like the publisher wrote about it and it all just sort of seems like i don't know i don't really want to do any of that anymore <laughs> i just felt tired of like, the way that i don't know like i don't know authors are really we're all really weird people but we all yes. are also very um about certain things I think universally insecure. And I think, uh, I think one of the, one of those is, uh, the kind of the strangeness of like making a book that then becomes a kind of viable product, you know, and there's something that's like, that's years of my life that's been flattened out and made into this like viable product. And it's one thing if like, I mean, I think bookstores are amazing. I like love buying books, but it's just a little, it's just a little bit strange, you know? Um, and so I just didn't really want to, use all the same language that like my publisher maybe would prefer that I use, but whatever. Um, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) So I just thought it would maybe be easier just to summarize it. And like the questions that I thought maybe are there because that that's harder to argue with, you know, and then also just list the amount of pages in the book. <laughs> I know. It was so great. Like, that would be something one might consider when right. considering like, oh, the book. I don't book. think I like, want the 300-page I... novel. I'll do the, um, you know, 200-page yeah. yeah, and then go from there. Yeah. Then maybe tackle the 300-plus. But and but by the end of it, as you, as you, if one keeps scrolling down the page, it's like there's – it's completely dynamic so that you are part of the experience like you're being asked questions i've been meaning to add more to it like actually i i I, maybe everybody like give me a week or two and then there'll be more stuff there so so i mean to like put more stuff on it you know oh okay and like images and things happening i don't know and the bottom it even says lonely sir are you that (laughs) pops up like it's not there right away and then and then it comes up, and there's a picture of... A, like, a, how did you get to the bottom of the website? What's your problem? Why yeah. did you get all the way down there? Yes! <laughs> and there's, like, the floating head, the bust from... I don't know. I didn't know who it was, but... I don't know Probably who it is a either. famous writer from I don't think it Greeks. is. I think it's like I just pulled it out of an old photo. I had this old photo obsession where, like, I just really love um, old pictures of people I don't know, you know? And so, like, you can buy them at, you know... Oh, at uh, thrift stores yeah. and at Salvation Army. And, and I really have... There's, I have this one whole collection. It's, like, 30 years of this woman's life. And it's always her alone. And someone is taking these pictures of her. And it's, like, so... It's so moving. Like, she's a young woman. And then she's older. And then there's color. And she gets these weird stuffed animals. And, like, these weird motel rooms. I, I think it's magical. Like, and, and I, I make... I, I don't know. I almost want to say that I was sad that somebody let them go, but... So what? Now I have them and I love them. <laughs> yeah. So. They've found a place. Yeah. 
Yeah, and probably she's dead and probably the person that took them is, is dead. And so no one can really remember what that feeling between them was. But it's kind of almost sort of there in the photos. And, um, yeah. Well, and that's something like this, what you're just describing, Catherine, is something that feels like it's a, a lot of part of what the questioning of some, like your stories and the novels and even co-authored books yeah. <laughs> of yours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think all books should be mainly questions. And I think it's dangerous if you feel like you're reading something that's telling you how you should feel or, or something where like the author has clearly decided something and wants you to know about it. Um, I sort of feel, yeah, increasingly suspicious of, I want books to prove me wrong. They're like, this is a belief that I have that a book shouldn't be like telling me what to think about something. But, uh, I would be interested to read the novel that succeeds in telling me how to feel about something but it is also still satisfying as a novel or a, a piece of non a, a piece of a short fiction or something but I, i've always sort of felt like nonfiction is the place for that you know Not like but but then also i i don't like this absolutist um stance that i'm taking and like saying what a novel is or isn't or what fiction is or isn't so so yeah yeah it seems like that isn't your um that's not your stance. Like if you were in the sunset, you wouldn't be like saying this is a novel. This is a short story. Although it does sound like when you were talking about the container uh, for Pew and thinking mm -hmm. about it as like Sunday to Saturday that you felt like it, you knew it was a novel. It wasn't a short story. Yeah. Although, you know, it could move quickly and then would just be a short story or a novella or something. Um, I don't know why. I guess... I don't know. I mean, th this Pew is a really weird book for me. Like, it's it's very, um, it's very unlike the other ones, and even the one that I'm working on now, it feels like it's the most, it's the strangest, and it's the most over here. So, I don't know. Let's take a short break. Okay. When we come back, maybe we'll hear what you're working on okay. now. If that sure. yeah. if that doesn't jinx it or so. <laughs> um, today on the program, Catherine Lacey is here. Her her book of stories, Certain American States, the upcoming novel, Pew. It's fundraiser here at, at WCBN. Make a pledge. Let us know you're listening. We really value you out there. We've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. We've got Sam behind the glass, and we'll be back. Sanctuary 
said. Kate? I've been touched by the Lord. I don't need you anymore. She didn't know what to think. But she loved the Lord. So she just leaned back in the pew, thought about the tall grass, and said, Reverend? She said, Reverend? Reverend, the only reason I did it is to find out what it's like. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in now, I'm so glad you did. Today on the program, Catherine Lacey is here. We've been talking about certain American states' stories out with Picador 2018 and Pew, the, the novel, coming out in 2020. We've also been talking about Catherine's other novel novels, Nobody is Ever Missing and The Answers. Well, I guess I should say a quick, let me throw it over to you, Sam, because we're doing fundraiser here and we'd love to hear from you. We are doing fundraiser, and if you want to support WCBN. And I want to just say thanks to the Liz. And the Liz said to T and the crew, living writers forever. <laughs> <laughs> Love the Liz. And and I just, Catherine and I were talking at the break, and I have a note here in my prep notes for the, the program today at, at, with a like a star saying, the Liz would love your books, that I wanted Aww. to make sure that Catherine knew that. <laughs> um, the Liz is such a cool name. I know. It's just very cool. <laughs> you have to earn that, you know. I bet she does. Seems oh. like she, she did. Every day. Every yeah. day. <laughs> uh, and I see Tex. Tex is in the studio with Sam behind the glass. Tex. How are you? 
I would like to point out that the Liz is listening remotely at WCBN.org. I know we have some of you other folks out there who are listening beyond the sound of our voices in Washtenaw County. Uh, so this, uh, you know, this streaming apparatus doesn't come cheap. What we'd like is for you to give it once a year and uh, pledge your support at let us know you're listening. Tex has been longtime a friend, engineer of Living Writers, and me, and Sam, our latest engineer extraordinaire. I feel so lucky. And today to have Catherine Lacey here with me in the studio to just talk about writing. It's been, I've been loving it. Sometimes I, I, I forget. I was like, yep, we've got fundraiser. <laughs> we've got to mention it. And um, not to mention we have tea. We are so happy to be on your team, T. Oh, thanks, Sam. Oh, man. <laughs> Got the blush for radio. <laughs> well, okay. So, so back. So, Catherine, let's... Um, Did now... you want me to read a, a I... sentence? Is that what was going to happen? That would be so great. This would okay. be the perfect time. Okay, great. Um, I'm just going to read the first... It's a very... It's a very long sentence. It... Um, it's a very long sentence, and it's the first <laughs> sentence in the first story in certain American states. Uh, the title of the story is Violations. He had wanted to make sure she wouldn't write about him, but he knew he couldn't ask her outright not to write about him, since he was sure such a question would set off a lecture about how he was not within his rights to put restrictions on her work, and she might even tease him for being narcissistic enough to believe that she was planning to write about him, and he would take issue with that word, narcissistic, a diagnosis that she was well aware that he'd often feared his friends and acquaintances might have been all along privately giving him, and he would insist it was merely practical, not narcissistic, to assume that she, his ex-wife, whose last two books had contained many arguably autobiographical details, might choose to include some or many details that may appear to some to have been lifted from their complicated years together, and they're not exactly undramatic ending. But she would probably respond to this by saying it was ridiculous and childish of him to accuse her of writing autobiography, especially since he knew how much trouble such accusations had caused her in the past. And even if she did end up writing something that contained some or many details that echoed her life, as every writer did or had done at some point or sometimes constantly, she knew that he knew that she was not interested in writing memoir, and she knew that he knew that she was, as a reader and a writer, only interested in work that used the tangibility of character and plot as a method to elucidate intangible ideas, not to record a personal history. And even if she did write a character that somewhat resembled him, she could never really write about him, the truest and realest him, because there was no such thing as the, an immovable constant self. And even if there were such a thing, she certainly couldn't claim she knew his. Is. Or if she did, it was far too abstract to put into words. And anyway, he had always seemed either incapable or indifferent to being emotionally vulnerable with her. And even after all their years together, she was still baffled and deeply hurt by the sudden revelation of his secret cruelty and the damage he had been capable of inflicting upon her. So, of course, she wasn't going to write about him because she had clearly never known him. And no matter how many times he would try to interrupt this tirade, which would have all the while been increasing in speed and volume, he would not be able to speak loudly or force enough to correct her original misunderstanding of what he had said. Of course, he didn't think that she wrote autobiography, but by the time she had finished her speech, he would be too tired to say anything else, and his being too tired to make his case would be the equivalent of raising a white flag, a submission that might later double as his waiving any right to be dismayed by the conclusion of some phrase or plot element or character 
in her next work that might, he might recognize, whether narcissistically or correctly, as being based on something he had said or done or been. So anyway, that's... That's one sentence. That's one sentence. I mean, sentence. you weren't kidding when you said that. I noticed that when I read that. I thought... I looked back. <laughs> it's a little ridiculous. You know, I mean, I, and I... It, it's it, it's a weird... I think it's the only story I've ever really written that's kind of... Uh, meta and and about like a writer writing about writing um which i i actually enjoy sometimes i enjoy reading books that are about writers but other times i think just just spare me you know but <laughs> um but anyway so that that one's that way that's how it goes but anyway so but it's but the, the the husband goes on and he's reading a story that he's afraid is maybe about him and then he calls his wife ex-wife to complain about it and um yeah so and when you were drafting it, Catherine, were you just like, I'm like, you were just like, is that sort of, you just went with it because that's what it is. Like with that making of that sentence and in the, the sentence, you found the character too, who yeah. was the writer that was going to write like, and speak like this. And... Right. I I think it happens more often with me with short stories where some situation or, or, or thought kind of matrix will come together and I have this sentence and immediately it's like the sentence is it doesn't tell me what the cont the whole thing will be but like it kind of points me in the direction of like here's what the here's what the laws of this story are going to be like if you can figure it out you know and so with that one I think that that was definitely the first sentence that I wrote and I'm not sure I really had to um I mean I definitely edited it to some degree but I think like often when uh, when a sentence arrives, that's 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 one of these that actually will like point me in the right direction. It just kind of just comes out, you know, that way. So it mainly just came out that way. Yeah. And it's and those moments are, you know, it's not like they're they're very they're always brief. happening. Right? They're very infrequent. <laughs> like I sometimes like I'm describing it and I'm like, God, I sound like such an asshole that like it no. just came out that way. But it's like, okay, this is like half of a quarter of a percent of the time that I'm sitting in front of the desk, you know? Right. Um, and you're sitting there, like you were saying in the percentages there. Yeah. You're there a lot. Yeah, I am there a lot. It's like, it's, it's, and it's also where you want to be. It's part of like, it's part of your, your practice. Um, you were part of my like personality flaws, you know, it's like, it's everything, but <laughs> <laughs> well then, well, that's a great way to harness that yeah. for yeah. good. Well, I think that's what everybody has to do to some degree is like you, everybody has their, like their, their glitch, you know, that's like just their thing that they can't like there's just no arguing with it this is just how you are and usually there's like a negative side to that and a positive side to that quality you know and i think um yes unfortunately some people are writers <laughs> <laughs> that's classic that you say that it reminds me and very true right but in a good way too i feel like that was reminding me of something that you had uh, remarked about a book like there's no any good oh. book has problems and I loved that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely limit. I think that can be part of the the anxiety of um, like, oh, I don't think I want to write anything because there'll be flaws in it. But like, of course, there are going to be flaws in it. And I, or like, you look back at something you wrote, and you're embarrassed of it. But like, of course, there's of course there's problems in it. It's a book, you know. Like, there were things you had to leave out. There were things you couldn't get to. There were things. It was just every choice sort of closes a door somewhere else. So I don't know. 
and and it also feels like once you've written the book too, then you've moved a, a like in time you move on and you're yeah, also a then different, you're different writer, yeah, person, yeah. Which is what scares me about these projects that take many many years because by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, oh no, I don't even know who started this book. Like, you know, like what? Sometimes trying to balance the checkbook at the end of it is sort of difficult. Yeah. But arguments for writing quickly, I guess. <laughs> Um, Let's take a short break. Today on Living Writers, Catherine Lacey is here. We've got fundraiser happening right now at WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. As you know, pledge. We've got text. Do you feel like saying a few words? I'd like to thank Frank and Amanda, who uh, they do this show sometimes. (laughs) Thanks, you too. So uh, you can do it, too. Uh, There are different ways of supporting this show, and one of them is to mark... Thanks so much to Amanda Yuli and Frank Yuli. Frank does post-production work we have on the Living Writers website. Um, Amanda Yuli takes over Living Writers during the summer and does a block of, of 10 episodes. Um, it's become our new tradition, something I, I look forward to and I know listeners do every year as well. So Amanda Yuli and Frank Yuli, part of our Living Writers team and community, and so are you. Thanks for listening. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back to talk more today with Catherine Lacey. If you're just tuning in, I'm happy you're here with us today. Catherine Lacey is here on Living Writers talking about certain American states, stories, and also the upcoming novel, Pew. It's fundraiser. It's fundraiser, folks. You know that time of the year. We're so glad you're out there. Knowing you're out there is why we're in here doing what we do. You know what? Earlier today, Catherine, mm-hmm. earlier today, and it's actually inside of this hour, you mentioned having a dog to, uh-huh. to get up. So is walking, like having having your dog and walking, is it also part of the process oh, of writing oh, too? Oh, totally. Well, I mean, that's And, and what kind of dog do you have? <laughs> I have the best dog in the world. He's, well, I... Yeah, he is, well, I want to say he's, he is the best dog in the I world. I do I'm too. sorry. Everybody thinks they're dogs I do the too. Best, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, um, he's a human being. Um, that is happens to be a dog right now, um, but uh, yeah, I think even lo- long before I had uh, a dog to walk, 
I think walking has always been a big part of my process. Like, um, and I think just a part of like my life. I don't know why I just, I'm just like one of those people that likes to walk as, as, as much as possible. In any just to condition. move. It is because it kind of seems like it's walking is, is thinking in a way. Too. Oh, it definitely. Definitely. And it's it, it's a I feel like you can get into a state, especially if you um, walk somewhere with no agenda and you don't have uh, you don't have your cell phone with you or you're not um, touching it in any way. Um, and yeah, you can get into a place where your thoughts can surprise you again and you can kind of get into that place where you were when you were a kid and things were like, why are things this way? And you're looking around and absorbing uh, the landscape or, or, you know, the city or wherever you are. Um, yeah, it's always been. I've, I've definitely like I've had many moments where if I'm in the when I'm writing a novel, it just follows you around, you know. If you go for a walk, it's going for a walk with you, and maybe it's not saying anything. Maybe it is, um, but I've definitely have had like a uh, walk-induced decisions where like I didn't know how to end something or what was going to happen, and then it's like it just comes. It's like the walk delivers this thing to you. It's like oh, here it is. You walked for long enough. Here you go. You got this thing now. You know, because so. it's almost like you created this openness, like mm-hmm. for your your mind, right? And you can just get relaxed and like some kind of. Uh, interior sort of human logic that we don't always have immediate access to will come out during the walk or it's like, you know, it's not about like you doing anything. It's about there being stories just built into, into being a human. And, you know, we've all read like, you know, tons of stories and had many stories read to us and heard them and watched them and listened to them and everything. So, uh, they're all in there, you know, and it's like that they're not yours. They're everybody's. And, and then th- that's what kind of gets, I think, feeds into whatever you write, you know. And then it's your mind, though, that then makes it into the thing that you feel like. I think you were talking about earlier, Catherine, where it feels like it's its own thing, like that first sentence of violations that we heard. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just felt like it had its own sort of logic. And, it, and, it, and it, I, you know, I don't know. I think it's really just like you read you read too much and then it just sort of starts overflowing like you put too many books in your head and then either I know probably a lot of people have experienced this but I feel like at some point when I was like a teenager I started to realize that I was uh, rather than just observing things I was just immediately turning it into language in my head which is a problem like you kind of uh, I don't know if you always want to be that way you know like I think there's something nice about sort of being in a a, a space without language um, but but I think if if this happens to you, you know, you kind of have to write it down. You so. might be a writer. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about the being like walking around without a phone, without, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it felt like describing like being a, like engaged, but alive, more alive. <laughs> like, doesn't it sound like being alive, not having your phone? It sounds a lot like life, doesn't it? <laughs> and connecting back to like this, like you said, like a kid, this yeah. curiosity yeah. about being alive. Yeah. I had, um, right before I wrote my first book, I went on this trip. I thought I was doing something different. I thought I was going to be a, uh, I wanted to... And there's a lot of steps to, to describing this, but I wanted to, I, I had studied nonfiction. I wanted to be some kind of nonfiction writer. I wanted to write about other people. I wanted to write about real things in the world. And uh, at the time I got really interested in um, food policy in America and I wanted to know uh, how farms worked and I wanted to know um, like 
the whole I wanted to know everything about the way that the government interacts with our food supply and and how food is produced in America or um, shipped in or whatever. And I thought, well, if I wanted if I wanted things about farms, I probably should work on some farms. And at, I decided also I was like, well, I could go to New Zealand and do woofing and hitchhike, and that would be really cheap. And if I went for like three months, then it would be a really cheap way to live, and I would work on a bunch of different farms, and I would be in New Zealand. So I decided to do this ostensibly to research things. This was in 2010, and uh, there weren't I didn't have a smartphone, and there wasn't really internet in many places. And so I just, I was just, I was just AWOL for like three months. And I didn't really quite realize what that was going to mean, you know? Right. Um, but I think it was, it's not like I wrote anything useful at the time, but I do think that it kind of um, like bent my brain up in a way that it needed to be bent up in. So um, I recommend it. If you can find some sort of way, you know, desert your children, quit your job, <laughs> or, you know, maybe do this when you're quite young. And so that's also helpful to just to be absent, you know, so to be absent in this way that society defines it, but in a way to be more present. Right. Right. Or to figure out something yeah. about your mind and your body. Right. Everything. I mean, I say this, I know it's like, Every like tech entrepreneur out there has said that. Like I'm just, I just, you know, tripped ayahuasca for three months and it was oh. great. And everybody should do it. Like I don't want to be that person. living writer's advice. <laughs> no, there's very simple ways that you can do it, even if it's just an afternoon or something. Um, yeah, you know, and there's there's cheap ways too because I think my only expense on that trip was the plane ticket. Yeah. So. Catherine, I wish we had hours more. You'll have to come back. This is just part one. Oh, great. If that, does that yeah. sound good? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, so everyone, today on the program, Catherine Lacey. Yes, you've been along for it. This fantastic conversation with this amazing author, a writer right here in Ann Arbor, who's coming through town and stops in to the, the basement studios at WCBN-FM, uh, the campus radio station for the University of Michigan. It's amazing. We're, we're still here. WCBN-FM loves you. You're listening. Um, we we appreciate you because the fundraiser goes on. It goes on through, I think, through Saturday, through Sunday, Sunday, right? Through the weekend. So I'd like to thank Claire Tobin at FSG for sending along some, some books. Thanks, Sam, for engineering, being the newest part of the team, for Tex, for, for being here as a longstanding member of team, Amanda and Frank, Gina's uh, birthday today. Otherwise, she would have been here. To Stephanie out there listening, the Liz. We'd like to thank Stephanie and Lyndon who called oh. in and said, oh, geez. T and Tex rock. We'd also like to thank Harry Freed. Thanks, Harry. So long-time we, listener. Uh, yeah, long-time listener. If you're a long-time listener or a short-timer, we invite you. To oh, and Stephanie and baby Lyndon. Oh, brilliant. Um, and a woof to Waylon out there, too, since we've been talking dogs, right, Catherine? Yes. Since we've been talking specifically woofers. <laughs> There's so many good things. I hope you all are having a good day out there. I know it makes my day better knowing that I've got this radio station here and all the people here around us. Thanks for listening, everyone. Today, thanks for pledging. I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time.
2020 has changed a lot of things, including fundraising at WCBN. Although we'd love to hear your lovely voices over the phone as you donate, we've shifted our fundraising efforts to our website to protect the health of our staff. To help keep Freeform Radio on the air and in your ears, visit wcbn.org and click the Donate tab at the top right of the website. Once on our donation page, you can make a custom donation or browse our wide selection of quality and student-designed merchandise. That's wcbn.org. Everyone here at WCBN extends our sincerest thanks for your generosity. Would you like to preserve Freeform Radio and improve your wardrobe? Well, you're in luck. February 19th through February 28th is fundraising season at WCBN, and we have a basement full of merchandise for our donors. WCBN student-designed shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, totes, you name it, are a perfect way to flaunt your excellent taste and keep freeform nonprofit radio on the airwaves. Visit wcbn.org and click the Donate tab to browse our selection and make a donation. Your generosity is most appreciated. Everybody. Today is February 24th, 2021, as you're listening to this, uh, the Daily Sports Report on WCBN-FM 88.3. My name is Joshua Tenzer. I am joined here by Stevie McGregor and Ryan Buckman. How are you boys doing today? Doing pretty well, you know. Fantastic, I would say. It's another That's great good. Day. <laughs> it's finally looking like it's starting to warm up a little bit in Ann Arbor, right? Yes, yeah. Finally getting into the positive temperatures and above freezing for the first time in a while. That's good. Enough uh, to motivate me to get outside. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it'll also motivate the Mediterranean recluse spiders found in the undergraduate library to also go outside. Oh, yeah, that's boy. a big story in Michigan. Mm. Yeah, I'm not there, but... That, the first person who saw that must have jumped out of their shoes. So I think it's probably the loudest the library's heart has ever been. <laughs> yeah. Originally, it was mistaken for a brown recluse, but uh, it's the less venomous version. So still Worse. venomous. Still good, though. <laughs> yeah. All right, shall we get to sports? Yeah. yeah. Our top story today, as of 9.30 this morning, DeMarcus Cousins is no longer on an NBA team. Houston waived him this morning. He had 20 minutes played on average per game and had about 10 points per game in his 25 played with Houston. Houston's had a pretty rough go of it so far. They lost, um, obviously, the beard to the Nets because the Nets love to take all the really good talent. And as a Knicks fan, that makes me so happy, just overjoyed that they have everybody. Uh, nevertheless, 
he looks like he's going to end up on a team that's 